Hello, hello, and welcome to the Borealis Experience. I'm your host, Aurora, and I'm very excited to have Robert Raymond Riopel with me today. He is one of the biggest empowerment coaches here in Canada, I would say. And we will dig a little deeper when it comes to his story to find out what he had to go through in order to become the leader, heart-driven leader that he is today. Thank you so much for making the time and for being here with us today. Robert, share with us where you're coming from and uh, yeah, how your path looked like. <laughs> well, you know, I feel so blessed to be here, Aurora. And, and, and being that you're an Albertan just like me, you're going to understand probably there's that saying redneck and growing up I was taught that here's the box don't think outside the box in fact don't question the box and when it came to work it was if you are going to work you support your family even if you hate the job you do whatever it takes and so and you work hard and you stay loyal and that's what I started doing and by the time I was 21 I'd actually worked for three different companies and been laid off on all three occasions because they were shutting down And the third company really hit me hard because I had been working for that company since they opened two and a half years earlier, a factory in Red Deer, Alberta. And I had started working in the factory and started making my way up to where I was now inside sales. And I envisioned myself being a general manager, eventually in my own factory with them, working for 40 plus years. So imagine the shock when I come into work on a Monday and, and the general manager calls me in his office, goes, oh, I want to let you know we're shutting the factory down. You were laid off as of last Friday. And I had just come from a week holiday. I'm like, um, you couldn't tell me that before I left on holidays? And he's like, we didn't know. And, I, and that really, you know, and you know, Alberta, we go through our oil booms. We go through our oil bust. And 1989, we were in the middle of an oil bust. And I'm going out and looking for that job. I'm still a newlywed. I want to take care of my family. And I can't, I'm looking for like three months. I can't find a job. So I decided to do something to take care of my family until I find And I start delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza. And when I start doing that, because of my work ethic, I start working hard and I start actually making more money than I did as my real job because I was working a lot of hours. And I end up becoming a manager and my wife becomes my assistant. And we go right back into our programming, working hard. We start working open to close seven days a week. And we actually moved from Red Deer to Calgary because my franchisee had sold his store in Red Deer bought two in Calgary. And that's where I, I, it wasn't that I was planning on becoming a manager, but I'm going, hmm, being a manager is more secure than being a driver. And there's a guaranteed income. And I said, look, you have two stores now. Can I manage one of them? And we talked for a couple hours. And again, because of my work ethic, two hours later, he went, yep, you'll move in two weeks. And what's interesting, <laughs> I'd been a driver. I'd done a little bit of making of pizzas. I said, um, okay, if I'm leaving in two weeks, can I get some experience in store? He goes, nah, you'll have plenty of time to get experience when you get there. <laughs> so I got a hold of an aunt and uncle and um, asked if I could live with them until we could find a place to live there and move up. And so I did that because I am a whatever it takes kind of person. And so I started managing. My wife became my assistant. We started managing seven days a week, open to close. And we were doing that for a year and a half when the fear came back in again. Because my franchisee comes to us and says, I want you to know I'm getting out of Domino's Pizza, so I'm selling the stores. 
And we'd watch enough stores in Calgary get sold that we knew as soon as a store sold, the managers were let go because a new owner wanted to bring in their own team. And my theory was, okay, um, we better start phoning some of the other franchisees and find another job. And my wife looks at me and she goes, why would we do that? Why don't we just buy the store? And I looked at her, I'm like, because we don't have any money. That's why we don't buy the store. Like, hello. And Aurora, I am very blessed because my wife and I, we met when we were 13. We started dating when we were 16. We got married when we were 19. (laughs) And so we, you know, because I was the in the box thinker, my wife, her whole perspective is there is no box. You know, why are we being held to something like that? And so we started trying to figure out how do you buy a business if you don't have money? And we made a lot of mistakes. I will tell you a lot of mistakes. Like as an example, one gentleman, he goes, well, I've got investors and I guarantee I'll find you an investor. My upfront fee is $1,000. The moment we paid him the $1,000 fee, all of a sudden, magically, none of his investors wanted to invest in us and it was a non-refundable $1,000, right? And every, every turn when we got shut down, I wanted to quit. But thank goodness my wife would not let us. Because look, I, if you knew me when I was younger, I was a very limited thinker. There was a lot of things I didn't believe in because I didn't know. And if I didn't know it, it can't be true. I was very close-minded that way. Mm. And she kept pushing. And, and I'll openly admit, I would not be doing what I do today if it wasn't for her. Hmm. Because one of the gifts she gives me is she's not willing to let me play smaller than I am. Even if it means kicking me in the ass, which she's had to do a number of times. <laughs> right. And of course I'm always open to it. I'm always like, good idea, honey. Always <clears throat> open to it, but she's not willing. And now it's a gift I give her as well. And so we made a lot of mistakes, but we learned something every time. And after about four months, we had the confidence now where we went to our bank and we couldn't get a, 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 um, a time to sit down with the business manager because back then, especially here in Alberta, you had to know someone who knew someone to talk mm-hmm. to a bank business manager. But because we had great relationships with our bank manager, she'd helped us buy our house. She loved our work ethic. We're sitting in her office the one day and she says, how's it going with the store? And we're like, it's not going good. And she says, why not? We said, well, we can't find a loan. And she says, well, have you talked to Grant, the business manager? Nope, can't get an appointment with him. Now, literally, and, and for your audience, keep great relationships with your banks and that. Don't be the customer that they only ever hear from you if there's a problem. Because that day, she literally stood up, took us by the hand and said, come with me. She walked us across the bank, knocked on his door and said, Grant, this is Robert and Roxanne Riopel, two hardworking kids that run a Domino's pizza and they want to buy it. Take care of them. Now, had we been able to see him four months earlier, we probably would have bombed because we didn't know what to say. I'm a big believer, Aurora, that everything happens for a reason. And I'm going to ask you a question. Have you heard that statement before that everything happens for a reason? Mm -hmm. Do you believe that statement? Oh yeah. Did you know it's not the complete statement? Ha, tell me more. Yeah, see, this is where people get stuck on this, everything happens for a reason. The complete statement is actually everything happens for a reason. And that reason is there to serve me. And -hmm. see, when you understand the full statement, it puts you into curiosity mode. Yes. See, to me, some of the greatest lessons come from the biggest struggles we've gone through. 
And everything I've gone through, I now ask that question. And it's not like you get the answer right away. Like as an example, if you've ever had something happen in a couple of years later, all of a sudden it's like, that's why that happened all that time ago. Yeah. Because, but when you're in that curiosity mode, if you're looking for a lesson, then you can take any situation, learn something from it to take your life one step further forward. I'm a huge believer in that. So had we seen him four months earlier, we would have blown it because we wouldn't have known what to say. But because of the struggles we'd gone through and learning what to say, what not to, we sat down and had a conversation and he ended up not giving us the financing for our store. He gave us 100% financing for both the stores my franchisee had for sale. And we became franchisees. And it was like, oh, we've got to make now. But unfortunately, we knew how to run a Domino's pizza, but we didn't know how to run a business. And there's a huge difference between the two. Thank goodness ignorance was bliss because for the first two years, our whole running attitude was, if there's money in the bank, we're doing okay. But of course, we weren't and we didn't even know that. But our upbringings, both coming from poor families, we knew how to make it work even when times were tough. And all of a sudden, a couple of years later, when CRA, you know, Canada Revenue Agency is knocking on the door going, hello, you're in business. We haven't seen any tax returns. We had to get caught up. We thought we couldn't afford an accountant. And here we are working seven days a week, 70, 80 plus hours a week, thinking we'll do our own accounting. Bad mistake. Like today in business, before I buy or start a business, I have my accounting team on the phone with me so we know what we're doing. So we have it all set up from the beginning because a great accountant will save you way more money than they ever, ever cost you. But I didn't know that at 23, young and ego, right? Mm -hmm. So when we finally got caught up, our accountants actually looked at us and they said, how did you guys survive the last couple of years? See, we ate a lot of pizza at the store. We slept at the store a lot. <laughs> and actually, because I liked it, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. We had every restaurant in the area on exchange. Chinese food tonight. Would you guys like to exchange pizza for Chinese food or chicken or burgers? So we were eating a lot of food at the store. Not a healthy way to do it, but we made it work. And once we got the numbers and started figuring out, we started doing pretty well. But because again of our upbringing and our programming, we started spending more money than we were earning. Mm. And I, I know you've probably never heard of anybody that's ever done that before, right? <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. yeah. And um, by the time we were franchisees for eight years, we were over $150,000 in debt personally and going down quickly. And that's actually when we were introduced to personal development. And, I, you know, we'd been, someone had tried to introduce us years earlier, but it was like, I don't need that stuff. I, I'm good. I, I'm, you know, again, that ego. But out of necessity, we end up going to a three-day training where they taught us why we were in debt, like how we handled our money, why, where it came from, the understanding. But more importantly, it took, taught us to take ownership to actually take ownership. We were the ones responsible for the debt. Quit blaming other people. Mm. And that lesson there, I've used in other areas of life as well. Because I've noticed the moment I play the victim where it's someone else's fault, I'm giving all my power away. But if I actually just own it, then I can make a correction. I can make an adjustment. And uh, so then we also learned some specific skills that if we didn't want to have debt, how to get out of it. And I, I won't say I'm brilliant and that we had it all planned to do what we did next. It came from necessity. We're $150,000 in debt. 
And the statistic in North America is only 3% of people will ever use new information that they receive, only 3%. And when we left that training, because we were so stressed out financially, I've never experienced stress like financial stress before. And it, it becomes that all consuming, not wanting to answer the phone because you know it's someone trying to collect a debt. And it just, it, you know, when that's running your life, it's it mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically, it drains me. And so we knew we had to take action. And so out of necessity, we decided we're going to take what we just learned, put it into action, see what we can do. And all of a sudden, we were able to go from being over $150,000 in debt to actually retired completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. And our minds went, wow, that worked. If this much information gave us that result, what would more information do? And that's where we started um, just learning from as many people as we could. Mm-hmm. I will never quit learning now. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, you know, I work on my self-awareness. I work on what holds me back, what works for me. I, I, even though I train around the world today, all over the place, I'm still a student in as many audiences as I can be in all the time because I know the moment I think I know it all, I'm done. Yep, I'm completely mm. done. And mm. so while we were learning, I found my passion. My passion was to teach. And here's how the dream started for me, Aurora. It wasn't a huge dream like I want to travel the world. It was if I could help one person, one person do what my wife and I had been able to do, go from being in debt to financially free, it'd make it all worthwhile. And especially like your listeners listening, that one person you start with is sitting in your seat right now. Start with helping you because if you don't help you, you can't help others. Mm. And so because we'd been able to do some stuff, I wanted to teach. And for the last 18 and a half plus years, I've been blessed now to travel around the world several times and personally taught over half a million people how to create financial freedom in their life, amongst other things as well. And I'm living my passion. And in just, I love to be able to, one of the greatest feelings for me is when a student will find me or see me and they'll go, you remember when you said this, here's how it changed my life. Mm. And I get one arm, two arm, or whole body goosebumps. So that's kind of the back behind story of who I was and to get me to where I am today. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing oh, all this. And Wilson. I feel on one side, I learned so much. And on the other side, you know how so many people often say, oh yeah, that person is successful. They were born into a rich home and they never had problems. And this is why they're rich. And, and with, with my podcast here, I'm proving that no, we all had to struggle really hard, if not for life, uh, to make it where we're at right now. And what, what you kept saying was, um, I remember the word work ethic. Yeah, you mm -hmm. said you guys had both great work ethic. You had an awesome partner. So you surrounded yourself with, even if it's just one person who kicks your butt, who cuts through your bullshit and, yes. and who keeps like pushing forward and connection with people. Like you shared with people what your struggle was about with your aunt and your uncle in Calgary. And then with the lady at the bank and she opened up the big door for you. And then now you say you have a whole team of accountants right next to you, right? Like it's only possible to rise 
as a team and great work ethic is is uh, yeah probably a huge must or plus when you want to reach your goals. Yeah, um, you have to have desire to want yes. to have a great life. Yeah, and, and you have to know you have to know that you deserve it too. I feel yes. so many people say, "Oh, yeah, but I've done mistakes in the past, and I'm not deserving." And no, like just push for that desire, and doors will open, and mistakes will happen, but then new doors will open. And wow, thank you so much. Like I feel I'm I'm growing as I'm listening to you. Um, I want to ask you now, so. You are an empowerment coach uh, today and a spiritual leader and, and so many more things. Um, what, is, what is the number one or maybe two things that you observe that um, keeps people in that little box? Like that, yeah. that keeps repeating uh, all over the world. You, you see people from not only Canada, but all over the world. Do you notice like a, a red line that connects? Well, all the yeah, and, and that's what's interesting is, you know, until I became a trainer, I hadn't been outside of North America. Okay, I'd gone on a Caribbean cruise, so, you know, I, I, I traveled. <laughs> But in 2007, I went to Singapore for the first time. And one of the fears was, do people there think the same way as we do? Do they have the same things going on in their head, the same crap? And it only took the first couple of hours of the training. I had 6,000 students in front of me for three days. And in the first two hours, we knew they had the same crap going on. And now I've experienced that all over the world. So, and one of the biggest ones that, and it's something that still plagues me a little bit, Aurora, self-doubt. Yeah. That's one of the biggest ones. It's who am I to have this greatness? And as Miriam Williamson said, you know, you have greatness in you. It's <laughs> who are you not to be great? And so people, well, but if I'm great, that means I'm ego, I'm arrogant. No, it's owning your greatness with confidence, not arrogance. And so I would say uh, low self-esteem and self-doubt are probably the biggest ones I see all over the world. And it comes from, well, think about it like this. Um, one of the things, the reason I wrote the, my first book, uh, Success Left a Clue, is my first step is dream big. Not just a dream, but dream big. Because think about it as a child. What was possible? Anything and everything was possible. I could be a truck driver one day, a lawyer the next day, an astronaut the next day. Whatever I wanted to be, I could be. Yeah. But then as you start to grow up, society comes in to tell you to be realistic. You weren't born into the right family. You don't have the right education. Really, no one's done that before you. And all of a sudden, these messages come at us. And unfortunately, and I want to be clear, it's not out of maliciousness. But unfortunately, some of the greatest things that hold us back are the messages we hear from our family. And it's not to be mean, it's to protect us. They yes. don't want us to get hurt. But if you understand, again, there's no such thing as a failure. It's only feedback. Mm. Because when something doesn't work, that's where the greatest lessons come from. So if you're never willing to try something in fear of failing, then you'll never get the lessons. Uh, someone asked me a while ago they, uh, on a podcast interview, they said, Robert, if you could go back to 18-year-old Robert and give yourself a message for the future, what would it be? And that one I struggled with until and I, my answer was just keep being you. See, everything I've gone through, the good, the bad, and the ugly has made me who I am today. 
I wouldn't change any of that. You know, I, in 2009, I went through two back surgeries. I was overliving my passion and I wasn't standing properly on stage, only at home on average two days a month. So I ended up herniating a disc and I ended up getting two back surgeries where at the one point I was in bed at home, couldn't move for over six weeks before I could get the first surgery. And people go, you wouldn't, you'd want to go through that again. Um, the lessons I learned, you talk about humbleness. When someone actually has to wipe your ass because you can't, you learn to be humble very quickly. Mm. And so I look back and I go, no, I don't want to change anything mm. because I am who I am today because of thing I've gone through, everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and humbleness is such a huge thing. Um, people can sense that right away. Like if you're not being humble, if you're being ego-driven only, you can be as loud as you want. You will push people away and they will not want to follow you. Right. Um, and as But also think about that, it because it goes back to the question you asked because most people who are so arrogant are overcompensating for their own self-doubt. Yeah. And they're trying to hide it. Yeah. But see, and that's what, because we've been taught vulnerability is weakness. But no, to me and what I've experienced, vulnerability is strength. Yeah. When you're willing to be vulnerable and ask for help when you need it, yeah. that's huge for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Vulnerability and what I've learned the other day, fierce self-compassion to go for your dreams, your desires, and to take really good care of yourself and, and to be vulnerable with other people for them to see you and to be able to relate and um, no, this is um, so precious. Thank you so much. Like that's been so wonderful already. I have I have one more question. I would say, um, if if we think about personal development, um, if we think about your personal development, is there things that you still feel to this day? Um, you you want to learn more about like some people have stage fright and they keep pushing through you know some people have still intense fears um, although they're up there at the top but they still learn to push through it every day what is it um, with you that that you are still learning to this day well it's exactly what you said is is I love to teach others. Um, one of my specialties is to train trainers and I've trained thousands of trainers around the world. And my goal is to help them become more authentic and more connected to their audience. Mm. And the reason is because that's the journey I'm still on. You know, that old adage, that which we need to learn the most we teach. Yeah. And so because I want to keep learning to be even more connected with my audience, to be more authentic to be me, because I believe the greatest gift anybody can give this planet is to be themselves. Yeah. And, you know, it was, you're, because the Olympics just um, finished and Canada, you know, did, I think, our best showing in the Olympics we, we ever have. You're looking at an Aurora, you're looking at a world-class people pleaser right here. I'm a gold medalist in people pleasing, gold medalist. <laughs> and how tiring that was. Yeah, because I was trying to be someone different to please people. And when I went through um, years ago, a training I went through where it was three days as a student, where kind of to sum it up, what a monk would sit in a, a cave for 40 years to do, 
we went through that same energy in three days. And when I went through that, and that's where I really realized I'm me, that's all I can be. And I started to own it. My life shifted and changed because, you know, the amount of energy I wasted on people, like if, if you were someone I wanted to like me, and especially if you were successful, I'd become like that lost little puppy dog. I'd be like, oh, please, 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 oh, please like me. And it would be like so annoying. People would be like, get away from me, you freak, because I was over trying to please them. And the moment I realized that here's who I am, and either you're going to like me or you're not. And if you like me, that's awesome. If you don't, that's awesome. Because now I don't have to worry about wasting energy. And I can actually be me. And it's, I'm always blown away by the people that are attracted to me for who I am, not wanting to me to be someone else. They want and like me for who I am. Instead of the people that are saying, well, you know, if you do this or if you just, I wasted so much time and energy on that. Yeah. And I'm still blown away today to the quality of people, the authentic people that come into my life because they're like, Robert, I just want to know you more. You know, there's something about you. And so that's why I tell people, you know, be you. Just mm -hmm. show up and watch who and what gets attracted into your life when you're being yourself. And, yeah. and, and, and even if you're a jerk, if you're authentically a jerk, be a <laughs> jerk. Because at least the people who like you for being a jerk, they're not going to be surprised when, and it's a kind of a dirty secret of the training industry. It, it blows me away and frustrates me how many times you see someone on the stage and everybody's like, oh my God, they're amazing. They're so charismatic. They seem so kind. But the moment they step off the stage, they turn into an asshole. And it's like, so my number one rule with my students that I train to be trainers is, and it was a lesson taught to me by a mentor. He said, Robert, you can never, when you start getting to this level, you're going to meet students all over the world in the strangest places and never be afraid to have to try and figure out who to be in that moment when you meet someone. Because if you're yourself on stage as well as off stage, you are as crazy as you are on stage. Yep, that's me. Yeah. You do have a terrible sense of humor. Yep, that's me. <laughs> because that's all. So that's been a big one for me. Yeah. Oh, man, I got so much respect for you because to... To hear that from someone who's, yeah, very confident and teaching others is, um, yeah, so refreshing. You know, it gives people hope that are not quite ye there yet and, and uh, makes us relate to you even better on a deeper level. It's, um, yeah, it's been incredible, wonderful to spend time with you. Um, Can you let us know, like Facebook, we can reach you and I will make sure to have the book, your book in the show notes. Um, and then all the links that I find on, on Podmatch, um, is, that, is that the best way to? They are. And, you know, um, Aurora, because you were the fact that people have taken time to listen. Um, what I'd love to do is my book, Success Left a Clue, if they go to robertreopel.com, just my name, robertreopel.com, they're actually able to download the full digital copy of the book as our gift to them for taking their time to listen. And I will say it comes with a caveat though. And the caveat is this, I didn't write this book to, for someone to read it and put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. That's not why I wrote it. Uh, step number three in the book is taking action. And yeah. so I wrote it as a, an actual manual where it's a workbook and all the way through there are action steps. And as you do the actions, when you go to read more, it'll say, did you do the last action? 
If not, stop reading right now, go back and do that action before you read further. And so that's the way I've written the book. And so I'd love for them to be able to go and download a copy for themselves and, uh, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, that's such a super idea and and very cool approach, like to make it interactive and, and yeah. And with the exercises. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's been wonderful to connect with you and, um, yeah, I will make sure to put everything in the show notes and then we share our episode all over the world. Oh, perfect. Blessing to being here. Thank you so much, Aurora. 